Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome, everyone, to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I'm Jackie Lewis, and today I have the company of Alita Cobb, bariatric patient. Welcome, Alita. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure. It must be weird to be on the other end of the uh, interview stick, as, yeah. as it were. <laughs> it's quite nerve-wracking, actually. I'm, I'm used to asking the questions, not answering them. <laughs> it's a good experience to, you know, sensitize yourself for what you're doing to others, I suppose, isn't it? I'm nervous, and I tell people all the time, don't be nervous it's quite nerve-wracking but I'm like it'll be easy just answer a few questions and off we go it's easy so we're going to just talk about you today and your story overall and yeah just kind of sharing your successes and things that you found along the way in the bariatric journey which is we're really grateful for you doing that because we know that it has been quite a journey and quite a success so it's always good to share those sides of things as well so you I was just going to say you also work in the bariatric realm can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's actually really quite recent, to be honest. I've only been working there for probably about a year and a half now. Um, it's something that I haven't made too public over the time either because I don't want people to think that I am being quite biased and that sort of thing. Um, but essentially, I have a background in social media and marketing and I was working for a very small firm and unfortunately, I got made redundant about a year and a half ago and I went in for my one-year checkup and um, just got chatting to the girls and one thing fell into like fell into another and then I'm now working there. So it's, yeah. it's pretty, um, it's amazing. I'm obviously very passionate about this industry and this, um, the whole process. So it was pretty much my dream job. So I love seeing people come in from the very beginning and then, you know, essentially to the very end of their journey, so to speak. So it's great. Yeah, I guess that's right. You get to see them intermittently too. So if you're kind of seeing someone every day and there's weight loss, of course, you're going to say, isn't that lovely? But if you see them every six months or every three months when it's, you know, really falling off it must be quite interesting to see their transformation there's people that walk through the door six months later and I don't even recognize them because you know they've, they've dyed their hair they've lost 40 plus kilos and you're kind of like oh who are you here to see today and you're like oh wow okay wow like incredible that's amazing. So. <laughs> and that's nice to see too when people's personality starts to come out again I think and it's also what we're going to talk about today I suppose as the journey unfolds but it I see that so much is that it really can help to re-spark that you know person from inside and it must be um, such a freeing experience it doesn't um, come easily but I'm sure it's um, certainly the freedom is pretty amazing as well. I had a lady come in the other day and she was a little bit older she was probably in her late 50 early 60s and she was really quite um, anxious about the whole process and she wasn't quite sure if she wanted to do it and she came in for her I don't can't remember if it was a six month or a 12 month checkup and she gave me a big hug and she goes I now sing when I'm walking down the grocery aisle like she's like I've just got this massive personality that I didn't realize that I was holding back for so long and it was, it's those sorts of stories that you hear that you just kind of like that's it's just there's so much more to this journey than just weight loss so yeah I think people enter it for varying things it's health and weight loss but there's so many kind of side benefits that are unexpected we'll talk about that later too so <laughs> tell me a little bit about your your the start of your journey what was it that made you decide to have the um, weight loss surgery in the first place gosh I was one of those people who because it actually got recommended to me by a an Italian doctor when I was working overseas 
um, he told me that I uh, would be just, I'd be so beautiful if I just lost a bit of weight. Mm. And um, he wanted to write me an Italian referral to an Australian doctor. And this was back in like 2015. And I was mortified. I, I thought it was the easy way out. You know, I was like, I, I was insulted by it. I was like, I can't believe that's what you would think, blah, blah, blah. And then a few years later, I had a friend who had gone through it and I'd watched her process. And I reached out to her because I had gotten to the point where, you know, I was almost 130 kilos. And even though I was living my life, I wasn't living it properly. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that I was, you know, turning down going and seeing my friends. I turned down being a bridesmaid because I didn't want to ruin people's photos. Like yeah. I just didn't have, I portrayed that I was happy and that I had self-worth, but I, I wasn't within myself. And I found that I just, over the years, I slowly stopped doing things. And, you know, I, I, I stopped wanting to go out with people and all that sort of thing. So it, it got to a point where I was like, something has to change. Mm. Something has to change. And so I eventually went and saw my doctor and my original doctor um, refused to give me a referral. Didn't believe in it. Thought that, you know, it's all the, the stereotypes. So I went and saw a different doctor and they were like, because I just wanted to speak to a surgeon and hear about it. I, it didn't mean that I was going in to have it done. I legit walked out that day being like, right, I'm getting it done. <laughs> but I had to wait the, the 12 months for my health insurance to kick over. And for me personally, I think that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because I had to wait the 12 months and I did a lot of research and I did a lot of learning and I worked with a dietitian to get my head around what was coming, so to speak. So the surgery was a long time coming for me, but it was definitely, and it wasn't an easy decision to make, that's for sure. I can't imagine it's, you know, it is the end of the road. It's a lot of that kind of mulling over and it's a huge decision to think I'll go and take this step, either bypass or, you know, removal of 70% of your stomach. It's huge. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting when you can, I think that 12 month period, it's almost like a gestation in some ways. And, you know, having been through a pregnancy many years ago, it's like, okay, that's happening. And then you get like nine months to kind of go, oh, okay, it's happening. And then what are we going to do about it? And it's kind of a similar, it just gives you that time to think about and prepare, but also to learn and educate which I think is one of the most powerful things you can do and anybody Um, who thinks that it's the easy way out they are so (laughs) like misguided by that because it was definitely the hardest thing that I've ever done yeah yeah and tell me about that day what what happened on the morning of your um I wasn't nervous I thought I would be nervous and I thought um you know going to bed the night beforehand I'd wake up and I'd be like oh like, you know, I wouldn't sleep, but I was so cool, calm and collected. Cause I kind of, in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, it's somebody's job to do this to me. So I'm putting my faith in the fact that he knows what he's doing. I was second on the list for the day. And it was, my surgeon had to come in and stop me from chatting with my anesthetist. Cause we were just like, oh, just so excited <laughs> and chatting for me. The recovery was really hard. I don't do well coming off um, anesthetics and oh, right. I just remember waking up. It was all smooth sailing going under and everything. I was a bit anxious to go to actually go to sleep, but it happened so quickly. Like you get, they tell you to count back from 10 and you get to like eight and you're gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, waking up, I freaked out and they had to bring me like air conditions, fans. They had to bring me ice packs because I was just not in a good way. Not, not, not badly, but I just, yeah. I overheat and I was freaking out and I was having like a panic attack, like for no 
reason really I was just being me being a dramatic um (laughs) uh, but in hospital that was the first couple of days were really hard like pain wise and stuff I was fine I was able to get up and walk around which is what everybody told me to do I made friends with the lady who went before me and so she was staying at the other end of the ward so every half an hour we'd walk to each other's room and say hello and (laughs) I just made friends in hospital but my nausea was really bad so every four hours on the dot if I didn't have anti-nausea med I would have the vomits like I wasn't actually vomiting but I had the heaving and I was like foaming at the mouth and the last thing you want to do when you've just had an operation on your stomach is vomit so that that would be quite scary to think I need to but I can't and yeah you know, I really shouldn't. Yep. So I was like banging on the button for the nurse to be like, I'm like, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Like, help me give me more drugs, which is something that I tell people all the time. Like, Take the drugs. Take the drugs. Because the minute you leave hospital, you don't have any more drugs and you're on your own. So try yeah. and get as comfortable as you can in hospital. Uh, but apart from that, I had a pretty smooth run. Like yeah. it wasn't too bad. It, I don't, I remember it being horrible, but I can't remember it being like deathly. So I guess, yeah. you know, it is it is what it is. Part of the process. Yeah, exactly. It? Yeah. It's, it's a couple of days for the rest of your life. So Yeah, that's a good point. And did you have any complications at all or was it quite, you know, straightforward as far as things go? The surgery itself was pretty straightforward. The doctor said that I had like a textbook surgery. My liver mm-hmm. shrunk really nicely over pre-op, which I was really happy about. And I haven't really had any complications since. Um I did have my gallbladder removed in February of this year because I had pretty bad gallstones, which um, I thought was acid reflux and I was stubborn and I never got it checked. Turns out it wasn't reflux, it was gallstones. Um, So I did the try, the Bribie try and the Malulabar try and then two days after doing the Malulabar try, I was straight in hospital getting my gallbladder um, taken out. Oh my goodness. That recovery, I think, was harder than the sleeve recovery, to be honest. Yeah. It was harder, but it wasn't. Like, because I was fitter and healthier, I recovered a lot quicker. Mm. But the gas pain I actually experienced, Uh, everyone was talking about the gas pain then. So that was pretty horrible. But the only other complication I've had since surgery was, and anybody who follows me, I've been talking about it quite a bit because I think it's something that needs to be made aware of. Uh, Not aware of, but I think it's something that people should talk about more. Yeah. Um, My, I'm... (laughs) I am not um, ovulating at the moment. So ah. I have been having a lot of issues with my fertility and all of that sort of thing. Um, prior to surgery being morbidly obese, mm-hmm. I thought I had polycystic ovaries. All of that has cleared up now, but I've been going and working with a gynecologist because my hormones aren't working properly. Right. And she said it's got a lot to do with rapid weight loss and excessive exercise. Yeah. So that's me to a T. <laughs> So yeah, it's working out which one is which, I suppose, with you because you are incredibly active now. Yeah, and there's yep. that thing called the female triad when you are you go on the other side where you're too low in everything and your hormones don't function very well. But also, yeah, yeah I won't diagnose you on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, Jackie probably knows quite a bit about all of this. Yeah, it's and, and it because- is. I think I talk about that in this first, like when the when the rapid weight loss is happening, a lot of women are in our groups going, oh my god, I'm so emotional. Oh my god, I'm you know having really heavy periods or really strange kind of hormonal things are happening. And it's yeah, your body is hanging on to estrogen. So fat is where you store excess estrogen from the environment and plastics and wherever. And obesity is often and um, overly estrogenic condition so it's all in your body and then basically you're just melting that away really quickly so you get 
get a massive influx of strange hormonal things happening. Wow. Um, so yeah, it is something, yes, I think we should talk about more and, um, and particularly because there's such a high risk of iron deficiency in the bariatric community and women. And then they come through the surgery and start heavily bleeding. They're just really um, heading their iron levels can just plummet. So Which there you I, go. I am iron deficient as well. Uh, so yeah. that, that, so that doesn't would be, help yeah. either. <laughs> but I actually had a, um, a checkup with the gynecologist this week and um, it's been about a month and a half since we've trying something new and I am 50% better to where I was. So yeah, that's good. it's good. It's, it's getting better. And we, there are chances of, um, of being able to produce and that sort oh, of thing. Good. Yeah, so that's, that's good. That's, yeah. But yeah. I, I definitely think it is something that women shouldn't be afraid of talking about because it is something that we all go through. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's another point is that a lot of people undertake the surgery to, you know, reverse their type 2 diabetes and their polycystic ovarian syndrome and all sorts of different great things happen from the surgery. But the nutritional implications and your absorption and your supplementation on a daily basis is what keeps your other health issues at bay. So some patients we talk to can find that they've, take, they've done the surgery to get rid of a whole ream of, you know, high blood pressure medication and all that sort of stuff from that kind of obese picture then they kind of lose the weight and if they're not eating well and supporting themselves well enough they'll have other health issues that are linked to nutritional deficiencies so it's not that you get rid of everything but you need to be careful that you don't end up managing just another range of health complications because you haven't looked after the you know the things that need to be made up um, and you hear so many people who have the weight loss surgery to try and help them fall pregnant you know to try and get yes. the weight off so that they can fall pregnant and stuff so that's a really good point to make like yes you are losing the weight but mm -hmm. you've also got to make sure that you are sort of looking after the rest of it and everything else to make sure that you hold like the whole system is working well yeah together. absolutely yeah. yeah even cholesterol has a major part to do in hormone production so if that gets too low there's implications there the podcast i did with melanie mcgrice on fertility and um, bariatric surgery is a really good one for people who are in that kind of group who are looking at losing the weight so their fertility is better yep. yeah it's a good one to go one thing that i'm learning along this journey is that the body is a bloody amazing thing and there's <laughs> yeah. so much that goes on with it that's for sure it's, so, it's crazy yeah it, it is and that's kind of what leads me to love my work is that it's absolutely fascinating you know how we're made up on a molecular level and what's needed for us to function well um yeah it's quite i love it i think we're just one big chemical reaction in a lot of ways and we just have to make sure that all the little sparks are there and you know this magnetic bit and that you know ion it's pretty it's so you, me you on see us journey. as like a little what are they a molecular little <laughs> yeah. calendar thing and i'm just like oh that's a person whereas you're like yeah. oh they're all cells and things like it's you're crazy. like a little molecule and <laughs> yeah a few that, that cells was the word i was looking for and a for. couple <laughs> of dna strands yeah but um yes absolutely it, it um helps you to look at humans from a totally different perspective yeah. and so with all your weight loss, you then started exercising mm -hmm. and then you started exercising more. <laughs> and so you enjoy running, you do triathlons, you've done half marathon. Am I missing anything else? No, that's, that's it. Half marathons, triathlons, running. 
my big goal for next year is to tackle the 50 kilometer run, um, oh. the black hole 50. So yeah. I did the 21 and, you know, con- concussed myself, but that wasn't <laughs> enough to, to put me off. I want to try for the 50 next year. So yeah. I, yeah, I read that on your, it came up after we were talking the other day and I found the post on the race you ran where you <laughs> fell over and you were so dogged and committed that you face planted. Then you're like, I think I might've been out conscious for a bit. So then I kept running. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I uh, was knocked out for about 20 minutes. Like finished I finished the race yeah, yeah. and then off to the hospital. Yep, Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. A bit stupid maybe. Awesome. <laughs> but when you're I still mean, I, here and that's I fell the main over thing. at 18 and a half kilometers out of a 20, oh. kilo, like 21 kilometer race. Like I just had to get myself to being able to, like I tried, I got up and I'd fall over I'd get up and fall over. And I just sat on the ground until I was able to, I ate food on the course and people were like giving me food and water. And I was just like, I, I have to finish. So I did it. And I, I actually finished it in quicker than I thought I would. And that was including knocking myself out. So I was going to say, and you had a sleep. <laughs> yes. So what everybody says, you had a sleep on the course for 20 minutes. That's not fair. <laughs> Is it the power nap when you're unconscious? Yeah, that was it. Wow. So tell me about, you know, prior to your surgery, when you were, you know, heading in that direction of becoming an obese human, where did this willpower that you have now come from? Like this is an example of it that you've, you're really starting to stretch yourself and you've got this sort of really strong mindset. Is that something you always had or is it something that's come out? I've always been a stubborn person okay. <laughs> and a competitive person. So I yeah. don't know if that sort of now turned into sort of like a, well, I'm still competitive, but it's it's mm. more of a, uh, I, for me, I kind of, I like to prove to people that if I can do it, so can they. And hmm. like, I guess that's why we've sort of started up 5k your way as well, because people say that to us all the time. Like they're like, oh, you know, you run, you do half marathons, you do triathlons, like you're, you're so far out of the picture now. And it's like, well, no, like I legit started running by doing park run hmm. and I couldn't even run 5k's. Like I asked my old personal trainer from when I was like before surgery that asked us to do a hundred meter warm up run. And I'd be like, no way. Like I would complain, like I hated running with a passion. And I know that, um, when Shannon first asked me to do park run with him, I was like, nah, it's the first thing that I've ever said no to, like at a drop of a hat. I was like, nah, park run, not doing it. Um, Mm. and then he eventually convinced me to do it. And it was like a park run, park walk. And then it became a park. I can actually run five Ks now. So I guess for me, I just, I want to be the person that proves that you can do it regardless. So I guess it's just drive and determination now. Like even when I was overweight, I used to go to the gym. I used to go to boot camp two or three times a week. Like I was, I've always had it there. I didn't necessarily love it and I mm. love it now, yeah. um, but I used to do it because I knew I had to and I wasn't getting the results. So that's why it stayed as being, I did it because I had to, whereas yeah. now I do it because I love it and I can see improvement and I can see like other people, you know, trying things because they see me doing something, which mm. I absolutely love. Like, that's fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I love this community for that. Like people reach out to me all the time and say, how did you get into running? How did you do this? Like, oh, you you know, I'm only running a kilometer at the moment. How can I go a little bit further or a little bit faster? Like, I love that. I love yeah. the fact that people are trying new things. And if I keep on doing it, then it means that other people might as well. So yeah, well, motivation builds motivation, doesn't it? I think, and if it's, you know, you're the motivator in a lot of ways, but if people are coming to you saying you're motivating me, it's like another level to that. It's like, you must be very proud of yourself. Well, I feel slack if I get, if I don't get out of bed and go for a run because other people message me and went, oh, because you went for a run yesterday. I- <laughs> 
I got out of bed and went for a run today. It's like, oh, crap, you're all accountable now. It. Yeah, they're holding me all accountable for it. That's but also, fantastic. if you surround yourself with people who are doing it as well, like, you know, Shannon and Amy, they're twice as crazy as what I am. Yeah. So I, I'm always aspiring to be to be like them. And so I guess, that, which sounds weird because I, I, I am a runner now. I do triathlons and everything, mm. but you can always reach for more and you can always better yourself. So that I guess that's yeah. where I sort of come from. There's always room for improvement. Yeah, that's great. And I think it is what you just said is surrounding yourself with who you'd like to be. Do you know what I mean? And, and surrounding yourself with what you see is what you'd like in your life um, and going out and finding it and um, I think the the whole all the forums and all of the different groups that are available on Instagram and Facebook and that sort of stuff it's a real platform for people sharing their inspirational stories and um, and you know some that you just would never think is possible when you look at what the health implications were beforehand not only that they were heavy it's more that they were you know, they had ailments as well. So it's, it is something that really is life-changing, which is great. So tell me what's been the hardest thing for you so far? How long ago did you have your surgery and what did you find has been the hardest thing? So I had my surgery in April of 2018. So Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm almost three years post-op. Um, the hardest thing and the the hardest thing is still the mental health side of things. And also my relationship with food, Mm. I think now more so than before, because I am getting back to almost a normal way of living, so to speak, because I am so far out, um, learning the relationship between food and alcohol and the small like habits that are creeping back in and learning the triggers that for me has been really hard. Um, earlier on in the process, obviously, you know, not drinking and eating together and learning what things you can and can't eat and that sort of thing. Like that was super hard as well. But now I find it's almost harder because I am just living my normal life now. Mm. And like I went for a run the other day, I did a 10K trail run and I was so thirsty because it was like humid and 36 degrees out. And all I wanted to do was come home and, you know, scull a liter of water. But then I couldn't because we can only, like, I can only have like five mouthfuls at a time. So then you spiral into this like dehydration, but you want water. And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I kind of do it to myself because I (laughs) I could choose not to go for a run in the middle of the day, but, but it's, it's just learning those little things and just, I don't even know where to start with the mental health side of things. Like it's Mm. just, it is such a battle with your own head and the body dysmorphia. Like I still go to the shops and I pick up a size 14 or 16 even though I'm clearly not that size anymore. Like you just forget and fitting through tiny little spaces. Like today I was at the Bunnings car park and there was a car and a post. And in my brain, I was like, you can't fit through there, but like I I can like, Oh, it's it's weird. It's it's, and it's so hard to explain to people who haven't been through it. (laughs) It's an unconscious programming that your body you're so used to. And I've spoken to other people about it in the past is they're so used to like they've integrated their size into their day. So if someone says, Hey, do you want to go for coffee? They're like, well, I need, to choose where it is because I need to know where I can sit and where I'm comfortable and where it's not too hot or it's all these considerations that must take up so much headspace um, but yeah it, it would just be an automated habit um, do you have you explored that side of it with you know do you get professional intervention or how do you manage that kind of thing I did um, so when probably at about six months out from surgery Um, I went and had a checkup with my psychologist um, just to touch base. I didn't think that there was anything mentally going on. 
Um, I thought I was coping pretty okay. Um, but then all it took was sitting in a room with an actual professional and it all just came out like word vomit because they're not judging you. They, that's what they're there for. Like, yeah, safe place. Um, it was a safe place. And I just, mm. it, it all just came. And I don't know what it is about psychologists, but every time I'm there, I just cry. I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, so I went and saw her at six months. Um, and then I went, I can kind of continued um, every four to six weeks for probably right. about a good like four or six sessions yeah. um, and just really sort of helped myself through for that sort of six to 12 month period. Um, and now I, every single year I go and touch base with a psychologist um, just to sort of see um, what my reaction is. Last time I went and saw her, I just had a good chat, got everything off my chest, didn't cry, which was yeah. good. Um, and it kind of, yeah. And I was like, okay, so that's obviously sort of like a bit of a measurement to how I'm doing. Um, yeah. so I definitely, I don't go on a regular basis, but I make sure that I check in at least once or so a year, depending on how I'm going at that present time. And yeah. especially the year. It's been a tough year for everybody. So I was quite surprised that I didn't cry this year. <laughs> what an achievement. Maybe and maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're right. You don't necessarily know how much you're coping or you're hanging on to or keeping these balls all in the air. Because let's face it, you turn life upside down. You have to learn how to eat well, not eat much, but eat well. And then if you become more athletic, and we've done a podcast on that just recently, the bariatric athlete, to meet your needs and to have such high demands is such a daily um, calculation and management. And it's good. It's all positive, but it's still something that you have to think about and, you know, stack up every day. Um, it's funny but also, that you say, so I was going to say, it's funny that you say that now, because I actually use running as almost like a bit of a therapy session now yeah. too. Like there was a little while right in the middle of COVID where we weren't he- allowed to head out for too long and that sort of thing. And I didn't run for about a week and I was moody and I was throwing tantrums and I was like, I was crying every night. Like I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And then it clicked that I hadn't been running. And for mm. me, it's just at the end of the day, finishing work or waking up in the morning and just going for a run, you clear your head, you get get everything like you have time to because it's just when things kind of fall together as far as thoughts go Mm. yeah it's nice when exercise becomes that positive outlet for I always find it kind of reshuffles all my thoughts into the right place and if I don't do it in the morning the day never really works properly (laughs) (laughs) another broken day no exercise (laughs) but you and your partner in crime Shannon Taylor who I've also done a podcast with huge ambassadors for the whole community and you're both organizing events and doing your podcasting and there's a range of things in the 5k your way Um, how do you juggle all of that outside of your day-to-day you know everything else you're doing there's uh not enough hours in the day I can tell you that much um at the moment like as soon as I get off this podcast I'm going to go back to like chopping out signs and stuff for the Christmas party that's coming up but it's I don't know it's passion that Mm. drives me I wake up at four o'clock in the morning every single morning and I'm sending emails I'm you know doing the thumbnails for Barry Banter writing questions for Barry Banter emailing developers like my day starts about four or five hours before most people's days yeah, start wow. and I um I'm pretty much asleep on the couch by sort of eight o'clock every night yeah. unless we're 
doing something for, you know, Barry Banter or something along those lines. But no, I, I just make it, I just make time in the day. Like everybody says, you know, oh, how do you have so much time? How do you do this? It's not that I have time, it's that I make time. And the passion right. that I have and that Shannon and I both have, it drives it. Like people say it to all the time, like, why do you do this? And like, I get as much out of it as what everybody else does. Like mm. I am genuinely just so passionate about what we do. So it, it's almost fun. <laughs> yeah. And I can see that in both of you, how, you know, you're sharing your story and you're always doing something, you know, different or climbing some new mountain or <laughs> there's just a range of different um, experience, I think. And to see you sharing but also you share what else is happening do you know what I mean it's not like aren't I incredible and I'm just climbing this mountain but you both talk about the real side of it as well so it's I think it's a really nice balance that it you know it's not always fun and games and looking like it's but it's and in social media world you can certainly portray that really easily but I think that's what I enjoy about both yours and Shannon's post is that you know it's really well balanced and and it's um, something that people who are starting the journey anywhere along the way um, can see that these things are attainable. Well I Um, guess that's where it all sort of started for me as well like I I started my Instagram um, even before pre-op and I documented everything from before pre-op and like, you know, the things, the food that I was eating before surgery, um, the little changes that I was making and that sort of thing, because there just wasn't really that many people doing it. Doing that, no. And I just really wanted to, and yes, okay, my, my Instagram 90% of the time is all like sunshines and rainbows and all that sort of thing. But then I do like to, if I'm having a crappy day, I yeah. tell people about it. Because I, and that's why we do Barry Banter too. And that's why we sit down and we just want people to tell their story as it is because Mm. surgery isn't all sunshine and rainbows. Like there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes and you'd be lying to yourself if you had the perfect run or that every day was magical because Mm. it's not. So I guess that's where we just want to try and, well, I know that I just want to try and create a platform that people can actually relate to and they don't just sort of, or they feel that they can be open and share and be honest and yeah. Yeah, and I think it's giving everyone an understanding. It's like the same process but different for everybody. And I think that's one thing I really like to discuss is just how we get on Facebook and we see people saying, how much weight have you lost? And at this point I've lost, you know, I'm six weeks post-op and I've lost 10 kilograms. Is that enough? Or, you know, and it it is really easy to get caught up in comparing the same process to the different humans, but we all know our bodies are different. So, you know, that one patient might have... Have an issue where they're having difficulty with food the others may have difficulty with relationships or they're not you know they don't have enough energy or something's happening but it yeah exactly and I think with the Barry Banter particularly because you're covering such a range of story it really gives an insight into you know what's amazing and what's not so easy and also where to get help when you need it I think as well and I guess as well like every single person goes into this weight loss journey for different reasons whether or not it's because you want to fall pregnant or if you've got diabetes and you want to get rid of it or if you have grandkids and you just want to be able to go to the park with them like everybody has a completely different reason for doing it Mm -hmm. like yes weight loss is the, the the end goal but I can tell you right now that when I went into surgery my end goal was not to be a triathlete my end goal wasn't to yeah. be doing what I'm doing it was purely to feel fit and healthy within myself that mm. didn't mean that I was going to start running that was never on my bucket list of things <laughs> to do like I hated running with a passion it was just that I've grown and evolved and you can never compare yourself to other people no matter where you are on your journey because mm. like you don't know where you're going to end up in a week's time so 
it's just it's and that social media makes it so easy to compare yourself to other people which sucks and it's a great way to sort of I guess measure where you're at or where you want to be at but we can never Mm. compare ourselves to anybody else because you never know what's going on behind closed doors no and that's exactly right you get just a snippet here and there as well it is a highlight reel at the end of the day it is a highlight reel and what you choose to highlight whether it's good or bad you're choosing what people want to see of you so yeah exactly yeah I can tell you're an expert in social media beautifully put (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of my job as well though What's next for you, Lita? What are you up to um, next? Well, obviously, it's obvious that we're quite passionate about the, the whole community and weight loss surgery, and we're really trying to break down the stigma that comes around it. So, obviously, after the Christmas party, that once all that's done and dusted, we really want to try and get 5K your way up off the ground mm-hmm. um, and just continue on with Barry Banter. But for me, my big thing next year is training for the Black Hole 50. Yes. My big, big goal by 2022 is to do a half Ironman. So he's going to throw that one in there as well. I keep on pledging to all these people on Barry Banter that I'm going to do these crazy things with them that holds me accountable. full accountability when you're out there talking (laughs) about it, it, isn't it? But then I also really want to, on a personal level, um, I'm looking into buying a van and I want to live um, off the grid for a little while as much as I can with everything that's going on. Um, And I kind of want to accompany Shannon um, because after COVID hopefully goes away for a little bit, he wants to actually do the full ride around Australia. So I want to deck my van out and um, accompany him for the first little bit for a couple of months. And then I'll come back and take over work and all that sort of thing. And maybe his parents can jump in my van and continue on sort of thing. So lots of plans next year um, and the year after. 2021. It's not far away, is it? Five weeks or so. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm another year older between now and then too. So, you know. Happy birthday. Let's just skip over that as fast as we can. Well, we've been saying that however old you are in 2020 doesn't actually count because yeah. this year doesn't count. So like I turned 32 this year. Yeah. So I'm turning 32 in 2021 just though. Do it all again. Just doing it all over. Yeah. I saw that on Facebook. They said, I'm not counting this year. I didn't even use it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, what are they saying as well? Can we actually have a preview of 2021 so we can ask for a, re- a refund <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite what we signed up for yeah well, thank you so much for your time I just have you know you've just a beautiful personality and you know inspiring everyone everywhere you go and by the sound of it making friends everywhere you go <laughs> <laughs> so keep doing what you're doing Lita it's wonderful and um yeah if we can support you along the way we're always happy to do that you guys have been absolutely honestly I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for you guys not only the Maltese but just getting behind us and you guys are such a big part of this community so thank you so much. And oh, it's lovely to hear It's been a pleasure. That. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And I'm sure we'll see you very shortly. You will. <laughs> Thanks, thank Thanks you. for joining us. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.